I mean, people think it's haunted to begin with. Like, <laughs> everything being automated, that'd be awesome. Welcome to the React Native Nerds Podcast. I'm Spencer. And I'm John. Join us as we dive into topics you need to know about to become a better developer. Hey, welcome to episode number 26 of the React Native Brewing Podcast. <laughs> I'm your brewmaster, Jonathan Waite, and... Uh, joining me is Spencer Carley. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm very, very excited for this episode. We do have a guest on the show. Instead of jumping right in, I want to just read his Twitter bio. Co-founder and CTO of DraftBit, Y Combinator graduate 2018, organizer of Chicago JS and Reason Conf. And he has no code, low code, React, React Native and Reason ML, and tweeter of unpopular opinions. That's like my favorite part <laughs> of his bio. So uh, do you want to introduce him, Spencer? Yeah. Since you guys are buds? Yeah. So today we're talking with Peter Prykarczyk, CTO of DraftBit. He's a software engineer slash entrepreneur who loves building companies with cutting edge technologies. He's been building companies since he was 12 years old, back when eBay and Flash were cool. I just found out today eBay and Flash are no longer cool. Uh, so Peter's played a large role in the React, <laughs> like, React Native. Like zero seconds ago? <laughs> <laughs> He's played a large role in the React, React Native, and Expo communities and loves helping people build mobile apps. He's the co-founder of Y Combinator-backed DraftBit, a way to visually build mobile apps. Peter, how are you today? Good. Thank you both for having me on the show. I was super excited when uh, you reached out. Uh, and asked. So happy to be here today. Yeah, it's been a while. So what we used to join as co-hosts on uh, React Native Radio years ago back with Natter, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, the the original days. Look, look at Natter now, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Everything Amplify over there. So yeah, today we're going to be talking about uh, DraftBit. It's, well, I'll let, actually, Peter, if you could give us a little bit of a, a lowdown on you know, what is DraftBit? Yeah, thank you. DraftBit is a platform that helps you build mobile apps, uh, iOS, Android, and web visually, all through the browser. All you have to do is sign up on our site, scan a QR code, start dragging and dropping components, and, you know, put your app together. Uh, one of the most powerful things about DraftBit is that you can export your code immediately right there's nothing stopping you from staying on the platform as somebody who has worked on uh you know expo stuff react native stuff react navigation in different ways it's it's nice to be able to just like log into a website get the navigation stack that i'm looking for and uh you know come back at a later date at the at the very minimum draft it is much more powerful than that but it has made my life easier as an app builder as a former consultant when it comes to just you know whipping things together very cool yeah i'm excited to really dive into it because i've been following from a distance the progression of draft bit so yeah i'm excited to learn how it works but uh before we dive into that john i've got to ask any updates on the brewery Oh, dude, let me tell you. So my LLC is registered, filed with the state. All that's moving along. Now I get into all the licensing, having to deal with production and the sale of alcohol and tobacco because that's just part of the whole name. Um, so that'll be fun. I'm actually not manufacturing tobacco. <laughs> uh, I am leaving after this recording. I'm driving down uh, two hours a little south of Jacksonville, Florida, 
to pick up a crap ton of brewing equipment. All right. I'm so freaking excited. <laughs> and then wow. coming back in the hurricane rain here. I mean, we're getting, we're on the edge of that hurricane this coming or is almost here or whatever. And so it is just horrible rain. It's wet. It's gross. But man, I'm going to get this equipment. I'm so excited. That's awesome. I can't even tell you. Did you, you. get any even tell you. news on the, uh, the actual space you were looking at? I did not. Um, I was looking at um, this warehouse that's attached to the office that I'm in right now. And I spoke to the owner and um, he's actually going to let me set up, um, an, we're calling it an incubator, um, you know, to be all Y Combinator ease, <laughs> basically just to set up my equipment and work out all the kinks before I actually get this building. You know, it could be a while before I hear about the building. Okay. Just because of, uh, I guess the, the guy that owns the building is in the hospital right now and he's doing fairly poorly. So, uh, we're just sort of waiting, you know, for him to get better. Okay. So it could be, it could be a while. And I mean, it's going to be a while before I get my, my license and all that sort of stuff as well. So I'm, I'm pretty good. So I'll be setting up probably this weekend. I'm headed up to Pennsylvania on Sunday, so I will not be brewing next week. But yeah, it's it's moving along. It's it's a lot of fun, and I was so excited when I got the notification and all the paperwork came in, and it was great. I can highly recommend ZenBusiness.com. Nice. All right, ding ding. <laughs> There's a sponsorship. I got to get them to sponsor right. this place because yeah. Very cool. That's exciting to hear. Yeah. How about you? What's uh, going on up in Tennessee? Yeah, yeah, up here now. Uh, so this week, just kind of getting ready for Black Friday. This is the one time I kind of do a discount on React Native School. So I try to actually be focused oh, yeah. on that. We'll see how that works. And then in uh, tech, the tech world, I've spent the last week in the wonderful world of updating Firebase and Spectrum. So that's always, it's a fun process because it's so integral in different parts of the app. Got to make sure it all works. And it's just QA, QA, QA. Yeah. Well, kudos for thinking ahead to Black Friday. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, you still have a couple, what is it? It's next, next week already. Well, uh, no, oh two gosh. weeks. Wow, two yeah. time two flies. Yeah, it's so insane. It does. It How about you, Peter? Anything uh, you've been up to in the last week or so you'd be interested in sharing? I just, you know, people on the show may judge me, but we took a little uh, road trip to Columbus and then spontaneously ended up in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, which was a beautiful, beautiful uh, city to visit. Uh, fun fact, too, for any haters out there, I guess Asheville does not have a single case of COVID. So that made us feel much better wow. about uh, going there. Oh, yeah, wow. they were very much on lockdown. You know, masks were a thing. So, you know, like <laughs> just throwing that out there if you're judging me. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it was a, you know, it was, it was a much needed like getaway. Like I've got a one bedroom in the city of Chicago. And sometimes it's nice to to leave when you can't. So we made it happen. Yeah, definitely. That's cool. Were you in oh, Columbus, great. Ohio? Yeah, we were in Columbus, Ohio too. We were celebrating mm -hmm. a friend's uh, birthday, uh, my partner's uh, childhood best friend. Uh, so the four of us just, you know, stayed, you know, bundle or, you know, like we just hung out in isolation together for the weekend. Very cool. Yeah, I went to uh, Ohio State. I lived in Columbus for four or five years, something like that. I don't miss it. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. All right. Uh, what about mobile news? I know we've got some interesting stuff for what we were foreshadowing last week. That's right. Um, well, before we go into that, when I was doing my research 
about Peter. I was on his Twitter feed and I saw this video that he posted last week on the 5th, November 5th, and he was unlocking his computer. And I think the whole purpose of the video was to show off the ambient mm -hmm. lights behind yeah. his monitor. But I was enthralled with what was on the screen. <laughs> so I read, I read through the comments. I was going to, you know, and I saw that it's a product called Hammer Spoon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that looks freaking amazing. That looks really cool. Is it actually useful or is it just total eye candy when you unlock your machine? So the software running is complete eye candy. But so what Hammerspoon does is it, it's Mac OS automation. Uh, so what I use Hammerspoon for is watching or listening to when I unlock my computer to then fire off a API call to my home assistant, which is sort of, you know, a pitch of its own. Home Assistant is this open source tool that you can run on a Raspberry Pi that consolidates all the different home automation products that you have. If you use SmartThings and Philips Hue and Wise, anything you use, it consolidates all of them. So I could have directly went to the Hue API, but I, you know, like on unlocking my computer, it fires an event to Home Assistant, which turns the lights on. Uh, and then Hammerspoon <laughs> does other really cool things like if I go into the office where I've got my second big monitor, it automatically knows that I'm hooking up that monitor. It knows that I'm at the office and, you know, it'll open up Slack, for example, and put it on my Mac. And then it'll open up Kitty, which is like the terminal that I use and put it on the big screen, you know, so really, really powerful tool. That's cool. That's wow. awesome. That's awesome. I mean, it, it looked kick ass in that video. And like I said, I know you're showing off your lights and what happens, you know, when you unlock, but yeah, it was neat. Very cool. I'm definitely gonna have to look that up, especially a uh, home assistant too. I'm very much into automating my life. So I don't have light switches, you know, at home. You just walk into rooms, lights turn on, you walk out, they, they turn off. So it's been, <laughs> it's been a journey, but it, now that everything's like working as, as it is, you know, like I come home, Sonos turns on some jazz playlist, the lights, you know, kind of uh, dim on like a certain hue that I like, uh, you know, kind of sets the mood. So it's made life a little more comfortable. That's really cool. That's cool. So uh, my wife and I just bought a bed and breakfast down here. I don't know that that would go over very well. <laughs> <laughs> people, I mean, people think it's haunted to begin with, like to have everything being automated. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, That'd wow. Funny. And another thing I noticed, um, so I, I would watch a couple of your videos, you know, to get up to speed and whatever. Has anybody ever told you that you look like Simon Sinek? No, that's interesting. Have you ever I, seen him? No, he does I, all these really <laughs> deep vision talks. No, but that's interesting. I might even uh, reach out to this uh, person. Uh, I saw that photo and I was like, yeah. oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in mobile news, back to uh, the purpose of the show. I guess we had a little event that might affect our future computers or something by a company called Apple. You might have heard of it. And them. really, it just comes down to two words, Apple Silicon. The M1 chip is really game-changing. It is actually really phenomenal. Before all this happened, I was like, eh, you know, no biggie. But it is really cool. They have, they're doing, uh, they're putting the chip in the Mac Air, the Mac Mini, and the 13-inch MacBook Pro. Mm -hmm. And there's this neural engine that's built into the chip, which is pretty cool. The Mac Air is eight cores, and they said that it's completely silent, which I can't wait to hear. Wow. I can't wait to not hear. 
yeah, I mean, that's pretty cool. 18 hours of video playback starts at $1,000. If you have an EDU account, you can get it for 900 bucks. So it's $100 off. I think they do that for most of their mm -hmm. products. They're cheaper for education. Wow. The, uh, the Mac Mini has the same features as the Air, but it's um, obviously not as portable. And you need, it's uh, $700. You know, Spencer, after watching this, remember last week I was like, I couldn't use a 13-inch screen. Right. I couldn't do it. But, you know, I always have external monitors hanging off this thing. So maybe I could. Because after watching this, I was like, yeah, <laughs> now I really want one. I don't need one. I have a 2019 MacBook Pro jacked up. I got all the bells and whistles because it was a business expense. You know, now I'm looking at this 13 inch and they're supposed to be wicked, wicked fast. 20 hours of video playback. That's insane. That's a lot of YouTube, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And they're, I mean, 1299, starting at 1299 feels affordable as opposed to whatever this one was. I want to say it might've been 2499 starting. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see how all this comes out. So you can order that stuff now. Right. And I think it's being shipped today you know, already. Or today yeah, being the day we're recording already. this. Right. Yeah. Yes, yes. Which is uh, Thursday, November 12th. Right. But yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. It looked like a pretty good event. Uh, there's a link in the show notes to a write-up about it, as well as a shorter video, not the entire, entire event. But you, know, you can go watch all the highlights and all that. Yeah. So Big Sur looks kind of cool too. Definitely. Um, that's coming out. Is that out now? I forget what date. I didn't write that in the notes. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but will you upgrade? Or are you? I think we talked about how we both lag behind those updates, right. especially for Mac OS. Yeah, I'm gonna wait on the update, um, especially since some of the tools I've gotten specific notifications that some of the tools I use are not yet Big Sur compatible. So I've got to wait on that. Oh yeah, but, got it. Yeah, I'm really excited for the M1 chip, Big Sur especially from a React Native development standpoint, because one, they're touting like three times faster build speeds for iOS apps, mm -hmm. which wow. you know, sometimes building Spectrum will take me 30 minutes uh, if I've got a lot of other stuff going on. But um, another really cool thing is like with this being Apple Silicon and with Big Sur being able to actually run iOS apps off of the App Store, the simulator is yep. much less of a simulator and it's more of like, what we'll actually see as end users on an iOS device. And, you know, the less translation that has to happen in between that, I think will just create better development environments for us and thus better apps for our users. So I think this is going to be a really, really cool thing uh, in React Native Land. Also, being able to run an iOS app that we're building on a Mac without kind of having to use React Native Mac OS or any other intermediate tool. Uh, or translation layer. It's going to be really hard to build a Hackintosh now. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but the, there's Rosetta, which is um, a layer. I believe it's a layer. It's not necessarily an application, but it lets you run the Intel apps as well. So you can run older apps that aren't yet converted over for the M1 chip. There's a, a, a layer that's in there right. that will allow oh, you to do that. So it's it's really cool. I was very, very impressed. Yeah, I'm excited. Absolutely. And then, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. probably just wait until the 15-inch comes out. And I'm hoping they'll bump up the the RAM um, minimum because the yeah. M1 chip is maxed out at 16 gigs of RAM. And Oh, like really? That. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a physical or a technological limitation of this Apple Silicon chip. 
that. I imagine they'll get over once they start getting into like the 15 inch MacBook Pro and then the, eventually the Mac Pro, all that stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think I'm going to try and convince my boss to get me a, um, a mini because because of that neural chip. So I work at a an AI company and you know we'll do trainings and they take 45 minutes only to find out that something isn't working right <laughs> and then you fix it it takes two minutes to fix and then you got to wait another 45 minutes oh. and so this is you know and supposedly it's training you know neural what do they call it um i don't even i think they said like machine learning training or machine learning times are 15 percent faster or 15 times faster or something like that I don't know. I'm butchering that. Go watch the video. <laughs> yeah. You'll you'll get yeah. it. But I am looking forward to that because it's actually part of the chip itself. So you don't necessarily need to shove jobs and threads over to the GPU, you know, and use that. It's now part of the chip. Mm -hmm. So I'm super excited. And this might be what I can use to get my boss to get me a Mac and I can get off of Windows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there you go. That's been the bane of my existence. Yeah. It's just just Windows. But we'll have links to all that stuff in the show notes so you can check it out on your yeah, own. Yeah, it was a good presentation as and well. And send me all the corrections. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, jumping back over to DraftBit, you know, we talked about how it's a way to visually build mobile apps, but I'd love to learn, like, what do, what's that actually, like, mean or look like in practice? Is it kind of like a, a Squarespace-type experience? It's a little less like the uh, Squarespace uh, experience and a little bit more like uh, the Webflow experience. Um, okay. Right? So the Paul Graham at YC called us the Webflow for mobile. And so Squarespace is cool because it's like you can you have like uh, some sort of data, right? Everything is like this sort of uh, magic box, right? You, you drop in your images and your text and whatever, and there's... There's a, a couple companies uh, like, you know, Squarespace for mobile, like Glide and Adalo. They're doing a really good job of uh, handling that. And then if you want more of the power tool, if you want more of the customization, right, like you're spending less time building what, what are called dark apps, right? Like maybe your company just wants an employee handbook or, you know, like an employee uh, directory, right? Like where you just need to hook up a Google spreadsheet to some data. That's all great. But if you want you know, custom APIs, right, sources from anywhere, build any type of component that you want. Uh, the way that Webflow sort of allows you to do that uh, for the web, we allow you to do that for mobile. Uh, so Okay, very cool. So, like, I think you, you mentioned this earlier, but once you build these components or you, you visually place things together, do you actually you have access to that, that code that kind of generates what you just built visually? Yeah, you can you access you can drop in any component or change any prop and see the source code for that screen at any given time. So uh, <laughs> it's not like hidden behind anything. You can in the screen builder you see the source code for your screen, right? You can click that button as often as you want. Like we just build the the new source code on the fly for you, or when you export your project, you get you know a full expo project. You just run yarn install and you're on your way. Nice. So yeah, there's there's not that that lock-in. No, there's actually no lock-in whatsoever. Yeah, and it's very well formatted code too. So kudos to whomever is writing that engine <laughs> because this isn't like a Dreamweaver drag and drop <laughs> view source and it's garbage. It's legit. Looks like a little person in my computer wrote that code. Yeah, thank you. You know, we've got a really talented team and we take a lot of pride in that. One of the 
biggest things folks like about drafted is like they get access to all that source code and it looks good it looks like code that you would write obviously not everything is like perfect right everyone's got different coding styles and you know there's many improvements that we could make but for starters people are always pleasantly surprised to see how well uh things look from a you know from a code gen perspective so i was in the other day i grabbed a beta way back i haven't really used it a whole lot so i went in I guess after we found out that you were going to be on the show, because I wanted to click around and take a look. And you have a, a gallery of pre-built sorts of screens that you can start with and then hack up. It was It's really great. I haven't used Webflow, but it reminded me almost of like VB6. You know, when you have all the different panes and you click on something and then there's properties on the side and you can tweak all the properties and all that sort of stuff. So it's it's a really, really slick tool. Very slick. Thank you. And it's hooked to Expo, so you scan it and it pops up on your phone. So you can actually play with it as you're building it, which is phenomenal. So who's like the, the target audience for DraftBit? Is it kind of a tried and true developer, someone who's interested in building a mobile app but may not have a, a lot of experience yet? Is it kind of like a tool to help you get over that leap or that yeah so good question uh a lot of the folks showing up for DraftBit are either uh folks that understand react native we do have a big developer audience believe it or not uh folks that sort of understand react native or have heard about it and want to give it a shot right in one way shape or form we have a lot of first-time founders showing up as well right folks that may not be the strongest developers but are dangerous enough to you know, to build uh, their, you know, their idea or their product. Um, we also have some more experienced folks from bigger companies, right? Like, you know, like I definitely fell victim to finding myself pixel pushing layouts and doing all these things. Mm-hmm. And this allows the engineer to focus on the fun stuff, you know, and let someone else tackle, right? That's why we, we build this t- thing for teams, right? Let someone else tackle the layout. You can go in and edit all the logic and do all the fun stuff there. Uh, so, you know, the <laughs> DraftBit's biggest struggle is that folks are showing up from everywhere. And, uh, you know, we have like a 33, 33, 33, sort of right down the middle of, uh, you mm. know, who's <laughs> really enjoying this product. So we've got some more work to do from a business to really hone in on on, on a group of folks. That's a, that's a good problem to have, but that's certainly a problem <laughs> to figure out which, which demographic to head down. Yeah, as like I look at this, so you're the CTO. Like, how did you guys actually? I don't know how. How does this work? Because like this is beyond what I could figure out. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. What's it written in? It's well. So oh, so the fun part. It's written with uh, Reason on the client and uh, TypeScript on the back end. Uh, not to make this a pitch for Reason, but uh, <laughs> we wouldn't have been able to get this far. You know, like. Reason has a, uh, or now it's called Rescript, uh, has a, a bit of a learning curve, right? It's, you know, it's not like TypeScript where it's just like JavaScript with this extra stuff, right? But then once you get it, you are fully confident in, you know, refactoring your app, building new things, and having full type safety, whether you like it or not. Uh, so, the, so the thing about Reason is you don't have to annotate your types. It just knows, right? It uses OCaml under the hood, which has one of the best 
uh, type systems ever created or what or whatever, right? I'm not like some OCaml functional programming guru. I'm just a JavaScript person who was looking for some extra type safety and was pleasantly surprised. So on our client, we do like a lot of the powerhouse work actually happens on our client. Uh, we we do a lot of magical things, and then the server is just your bare bones GraphQL server. Uh, you know, we we added TypeScript on there for uh, the safety and support, you know, but I'll, you know, I'll tell you if the team could have it their way, they would, you know, like rewrite the backend and reason. And maybe we'll do that one day if we, if we make it past step three, you know, but so far we're, we're sticking with what we got and it's been, it's been good enough. I've seen you love on reason, but could you give me like a little bit of a, like what, what is reason? Cause from what I've seen, like, is it a, somewhat of a replacement for JavaScript or TypeScript, or is it something that compiles down to that? Yeah. Uh, so Reason is a JavaScript-like language. Uh, and now, like, just to, it's called Rescript, and the website is rescript-lang.org. This was a recent uh, change that is actually going to, you know, set people up for success in the future. Before, Reason was both a language and an ecosystem, and maybe even an idea, right? Where you had the language itself, which was just uh, OCaml that looked like JavaScript, right? Jordan Walk created a whole syntax for it. Uh, and then there was this buckle script, which was the standard library that lived on its own. And there was always like reason native talk versus reason JavaScript, right? So uh, a couple months ago, the team decided to do a full rebrand called Rescript, which combines uh, the JavaScript-like syntax and buckle script into one unified platform. And so just so I, I wanted to clear things up. So what Rescript does is it offers type safety without getting in the way. The compiler is in milliseconds and not seconds. Uh, you know, like mm -hmm. I could most of the time when we're developing, I'm not even looking at the browser because I know, you know, through the Rescript compiler, like whether something I'm going to do works or not. It has amazing features like pattern matching and variants, uh, which makes your code look much, much cleaner than just normal uh, JavaScript. And it was created by the person who created React, right? So there's first class uh, React uh, and React Native support with Rescript, which is really cool. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So it was originally, React was originally developed using standard ML by Jordan Walk at Facebook, and they decided to rewrite it in JavaScript, which is what you see today. Uh, but since then, Reason and Rescript has, you know, has had a huge impact at Facebook internally, and then they, you know, they open source everything uh, for the world. So I, I love it. I think it's much more powerful, much faster. You know, not not to hate on TypeScript, but we wouldn't be able to get this far. <laughs> you know, like TypeScript errors. No matter how long I've been using it for, I still struggle in trying to figure them out. Uh, whereas, like I, every Rescript error is either the suggestion's already there for you because of the amazing compiler or just a no-brainer to fix. So it's not like I'm scratching my head for, you know, like a while trying to get the types right. Yeah, it's interesting that, you know, it could be a, a tool that you could use, um, I don't know, to work with in React or React Native as an alternative to TypeScript and still get those those benefits. Oh, and it's also, I, the one big thing I forgot was uh, GenType. So it's not necessarily an alternative, it's complementary. So uh, Rescript will output full 100% uh, TypeScript uh, definitions and work one-to-one. -one. So the same way you might have a TS config <laughs> file inside a create React app project that only looks at TS files, 
you can add a bsconfig.json uh, file that, you know, that loads the rescript compiler directly into your project. It's, you know, it's, it's fully supported. You basically just install, uh, you know, rescript into your JavaScript project. And, you know, you could, you could create one rescript file and load it, you know, like import it into any, any of your files in JavaScript. And, uh, you know, the cool thing is you can use your current JavaScript files inside rescript writing bindings is a breeze, you know, like it, like once you get the hang of it, you don't really see very many bindings in the rescript world because you can just, you whip them up pretty quickly and you're done. You know, it's not like this complex process where everything needs like a declare of our module file or whatever. It's just like, I want to use this JavaScript file inside my reason, or I want to use this reason file inside my JavaScript. And gen type is this amazing, uh, like underlying tool that does all of that for you automatically. So you can consider Rescript as like the ideal way, but also complementary to a TypeScript project. You know, like they're not, okay. it's not competing against anything. It's just like, if you need the extra type safety, if you want something very, very fast, uh, try Rescript. All right, nice. Man, you got to get that uh, developer advocate role on the side for Rescript because you're selling that. No kidding. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, like, uh, you know, like it's just it's just hard to complain about. You know, the only big thing that Rescript <laughs> doesn't have is like TypeScript's community. You know, but other than that, like okay. it's it's one of those tools. Like you know, it was created by the creator of React, right? And you know, has grown to be a very powerful tool that a lot of you know a lot of like big name developers are using now, whether you know it or not, right? Like it's like it's all you know, Jordan has a very long-term roadmap for Rescript and it all makes sense. You know, it's like, it's easy because it had developer productivity, you know, in the real world in mind, right? So it's not all just in, you know, like you can think of other functional languages like being in theory, like in theory, this is freaking phenomenal, right? But there's, <laughs> it's missing that like practical point of view, right? And now Rescript is a battle test, you know, tool used, you know, by at least one company, by at least a billion people every day. You know what I mean? So at right. the very least, it's got that practical, you know, and theoretical uh, bonus. Very cool. And yeah, I mean, you guys have leveraged it as well for DraftBit. So it's clearly there's, it works for you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, it's phenomenal. So coming back, circling around, how did, like, you're a co-founder, so presumably there's one or more other people. How did you come up with the idea of DraftBit? And... How did you end up at Y Combinator? Like, how did all that come about? Yeah, good question. So we originally started working as a team together with Donald and Brian, my two co-founders, a couple of years ago on a product called Orchard. It was a React Native Expo app to, it was like a personal CRM, right? Manage your personal professional life. We got into YC with Orchard. Um, little known fact, I was Expo's first user. Uh, oh, really? So, yeah, yeah. So I knew the team uh, very well. Uh, you know, like uh, Charlie and I built a conference app at React Rally 2015, I think, like in my hotel room in 45 minutes. And then he showcased it to the world. You know, that that happened to be Expo's first uh, app, you know, that we just kind of banged out together. And like I got I got super involved. I love their team, you know, on a personal and professional level. It's some of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. And uh after being involved in that, you know, YC came around and just folks from the community happened to know that I like knew a lot about uh, React Native and Expo, you know, so I became sort of the de facto person people would ask. And then, 
when it came to building orchard, people would be like, well, how did you guys build that so quickly? You know, like, tell us more about that. Like, fuck orchard. Nobody cares about orchard, you know? <laughs> uh, and it was like, it was the reality, right? And we weren't willing to admit it then. But and then one of my friends uh, who, who was on the React core team, uh, Amjad Masad of Repolit, a uh, really awesome service, really smart person was like, dude, you should be building a dev tool for this, you know? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like I, I agree, but we got to play this out. You know, I can't just throw in the towel for Orchard. But, you know, uh, all these folks were right. You know, like, uh, you know, we went through an existential crisis of like, what are we working on? <laughs> Should we double down on Orchard and get it over the, you know, like get it over like these like really crappy, you know, uh, valleys or do we switch and work on the thing that people want us to work on? And ultimately we decided to work on DraftBit. And uh, that's sort of how we ended up, you know, here, fast forward a couple of years, you know, like we got a team of 13 people and we're just, you know, chugging along. Wow. That's really cool. That's I cool. Think that it's, it's so powerful to, uh, I don't know, be able to recognize when you, you need to make that pivot. And it's, it's cool to see that you guys did. Like, I'm excited to try out DraftFit and kind of benefit from that pivot. Yeah. Thank um, you. It's, it's cool. You know, it's a, it's a, you know, I'm biased, but it's a very powerful uh, piece of uh, tooling. And I, you know, I think you'll, you'll be excited by some things and obviously may be excited about asking me to build features for other things because, you know, <laughs> we, we still have things that we need to build, but it's, it's a really cool, really cool product. Yeah. So like, what's the, what's the general workflow look like if I want to start a, a basic react native apps say like i want to build an app that uh i don't know it gives me star wars information from the star wars api like what's that general workflow look like when you're using DraftFit? yeah so you know you you go to draftfit.com right uh you click the app that you want to add your star wars api to uh you open up the data and services tab right put in the url set up the endpoint right and then you just map that endpoint to a screen and that's it um, it's a process that, you know, like an experienced DraftBit developer could do in three to five minutes. And it'll automatically wow. generate the, you know, like you'll map the data to your, you know, flat list, right? You'll render each row uh, and you're done. So it's a, it's a relatively, you know, boring process because of how quickly <laughs> you can get it done. Interesting. Do you guys have like a, a UI library, kind of like default UI that you can pull from to start building out that? UI. Yeah, so we have we have all the basic React Native primitives and Expo primitives, right? So you have view text, uh, you know, image, video, audio, whatever. And then we also have a library called Jigsaw, which which is open source. It's uh, you know React Native Jigsaw. It's not like a popular UI building library. You know, it's more of like mm -hmm. a way for us to have a tight relationship with DraftBits UI to some of these components. And the nice thing about Jigsaw is, you know, like we've got uh, a whole like theme builder inside DraftBit. So colors and type styles and spacing, right? You just have one screen where you can like pull a bunch of these levers, mess around with it and automatically have it applied to all your, your uh, Jigsaw uh, built screens. But it's, it's, it's optional, right? Some folks decide to start from scratch and just like build everything one off. And some folks really like Jigsaw and you know like utilize that design system to its full potential so what i'm seeing is most of my apps are b2b stuff that i work on and like there's no insane complex animations it's, you know get data from an api display that in a useful way 
So I'm, I'm seeing like with DraftBit, I can do like 90% of the work, if not more. And then I can basically charge the entire consulting rate that I normally would for building out an app from scratch. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, much less work on my end. That's You'd so be cool. surprised how many agencies are utilizing DraftBit already the same way that they're, they were use, utilizing Webflow a couple of years ago, right? Like uh, a lot of agencies are showing up and saying, yeah, like we have certain requirements and features, but love, you know, what what you guys are doing. So um, it's a, it, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll stop there because I'm going to ramble on, but a lot of agencies and <laughs> consultants are starting to utilize uh, DraftBit for, for that very reason. Okay. Yeah. And like, you know, I say that jokingly, like, you know, increase my profits a thousand percent, but reality is like, it could also just improve consistency, especially if you're a consultant and agency or you have multiple apps that you may be managing that you've built in the past. Kind of, if you've got this consistent workflow, um, it makes it that much easier to just ensure that you're doing a, a really good job for your clients as well. So there's, there's that side as well. And I think that's, it's really interesting because like, know it's taken me years to build the reputation i've built as a consultant like that's something i want to maintain even if i'm working on an app from three years ago or whatever so any tool that makes it easier always very interesting to me yeah you're you're absolutely right uh you know like don't get me wrong there's still a lot of work that a developer has has to do right but to to sort of focus on some you know you could spend less of your time focusing on the mundane things and more on on the fun stuff on your own right and still get that quality experience so yeah yeah i know the like the way i look at it in react native school or a way i present react native school in general is like you know i can't do all of the work for you but i can teach you the 80 percent that's going to be common between every app like setting up a navigator setting up your ui library whatever it may be that's going to be 80% the same between every app and by making it as easy as possible or giving you the tools to do that 80% as quickly as possible, that just gives you that much more time, energy, and focus to really hone in on that 20% that makes your app or your company or your product unique. And I think this is another same way of doing that. Yeah. So the thing that I love is the entire product. I mean, it's very coherent. It's so eloquently designed and... I mean, like I said, like the code is really great when you view the code to do a copy paste or whatever, but the design itself, when you come in, you have your workspace and you know, you have navigation on the left. And what's really, really cool is you guys have your feature roadmap, like built into this workspace area and it comes up and it's votable. So you can upvote different features and they're listed. There's a there's a Firebase integration which is under review, and so there's different statuses planned, and all that sort of thing. And it just it really pulls you in as a developer. You know, this isn't me launching Word in Office 365 where I have a blank screen and a shitty interface, and I just start typing. Like this is an experience, and you guys have really nailed that, I think. And the price point is great too. It's I was looking. It's um, two forty nine for a year in mm. your pro level so like spencer if you were thinking about doing that where you would mock these out or build them up and then export it and then you know add whatever else code you needed to i mean that would totally oh yeah totally help your profits Absolutely. you know what i mean if you especially if you got very fluent with this definitely it's really it's really really cool do you guys have um 
a set of video tutorials on how to build different things. Um, I see there's a starter app, there's example screens, and then you have uh, a Discord community, whatever. But is there almost like a, a React Native school set of video tutorials or anything like that? Not I'm yet. I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> uh, that's something we're still, we have a couple like uh, random like lingering videos, but no like official, you know, like uh, university or series. It's something that we've been thinking about, you know, call to listeners here or anybody, you know, if anybody uh, would be interested in helping us put that together, that, that would be awesome. Cause it's, you know, in, in like the list of priorities we have, it's there. It's just uh, a little lower. So uh, eventually mm -hmm. is the, is the answer. Cool. Okay, because I need to I need to mention um, a hopefully soon friend of the show, William Candelin. So we could have a "Can It Be Done in Draft Bit" series on, on uh, YouTube, and where you could take an app and see you know how you would go about building out a specific interface or whatever. That'd be so cool. that that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. So right now you got to request access to join Draft Bit. It's not generally available yet, at least from what I can tell. Uh, well, like what's the timeline or just like what's the, what's the process of actually getting access to DraftBit now or in the near future? So we're actually opening up DraftBit to the world in the next couple of weeks. Uh, you know, like we already oh, nice. have, we launched a free plan. We have somewhat of a wait list left, but you know, it's like a, it's like a small secret. If you wanted to, you could figure out how to get access today. I'll just say that. Uh, but okay. yeah, we're we're planning on we're planning on wiring up the the route to our you know homepage, which is like sign up now, like to to that onboarding flow, like very very soon. So it might even be okay. live by the time that this is published. But yeah, we are you know like we are ready to open the floodgates after being in beta for you know, a whole year. Hell yeah, man. That's, that's, that's so exciting. I imagine it's... that's gotta feel so yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Good and bad, you know, like, uh, cause it's, we already invite, you know, like a thousand people every week and you don't realize like, it's not your typical crud app, you know, that, that needs like one or two servers to handle, you know, like thousands of users, like, uh, cause we are compiling things on the fly, you know, like I had to learn a little bit about, uh, managing servers and memory and CPU constraints. So, but I guess those are good problems to have. <laughs> That's so cool. I'm super excited to dive into DraftBit and like see how I can start using this and consulting and just like, especially just building UIs is damn hard for me. So any tool that makes that easier, I'm happy to use. Yeah, we just had a show about how hard it <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> well, John, any, any other questions you want to ask? No, I think I'm good. Right. Peter, anything you want to add on DraftBit or Rescript or anything before we wrap up the show? No, I, I just hope that folks check out both DraftBit and Rescript. Give it a shot. Let me know what you think. Uh, you know, we're really active on our community and are open to any feedback you have. Like, even if you're like, Peter, this is the worst pile of garbage I, I've ever built. I wish you had... <laughs> X, Y, and Z features, just please let me know because, you know, we are try trying to make this the, you know, an amazing tool. And, you know, thank you again for having me on the show. Yeah. Where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Peter PME. Uh, my username is the same everywhere, GitHub, Peter PME. My personal website is Peter P dot ME. Awesome. Cool. Well, if anybody is using DraftBit or is interested and they, they want to get a hookup before it's available to everybody... Uh, tweet us at RN Nerds. 
shoot us an email, thenerds at reactnativenerds.com, or check out the website, reactnativenerds.com, find an episode, and leave a comment. Uh, we did get tweeted, and um, people, well, people, an overwhelming number of people, one, <laughs> would like to, us to have William on the show, so uh, we're going to definitely investigate that. Yeah. He hasn't replied to your tweet, but uh, you know we'll reach out, because <laughs> he would be a good one to have. Yeah, William is awesome. Peter, this has been really, really great. Really great. Great tool. Um, wish you all the best with this. And let us know when it does go live. And uh, we'll definitely retweet anything you send out. And, you know, we'll mention it on our next episode. Yeah, thank you so much again for having me. This has been a treat. It was nice catching up, too. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much for joining in. It was great talking to you. Likewise. Thanks. All right, we'll see you guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. You can get show notes and leave comments at reactnativenerds.com.